Halloween celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. This is the word of God. Great, thank you, Joy. Just want to add my welcome uh, to Libby's. If I've not met you, my name's Paul, uh, and I help lead and serve Peace and G's with uh, Dave and Libby. Do come and say hi at the end. It'd be great to meet you if I've not met, met not yet met you. Well, this is a letter from the Apostle Paul that, that Joy has just read out, and Paul, like Jesus, both prayed, served, and gave himself to others and to the community, to these churches. And as Libby said, today is pray, serve, give. So with that in mind, let me just pray. Lord, we pray that as we hear from your word today, that Lord God, you would inspire our hearts, that Father, we would see, Lord Jesus, you in all of this, that you would reveal Jesus to us. Come, Holy Spirit, right now, and turn our hearts towards you, Jesus, that we would see you, encounter you, and know you. That, Father, we know exactly what to do, Lord Jesus, with our lives, with our next steps. In you we pray. Amen. Well, let's jump in right at uh, the very first verse there, verse 16. And verse 16 starts with a therefore. Now, that's kind of a little bit weird, isn't it? Because it's a little bit like saying, coming up to somebody and approaching yourself and saying, oh, hi, do you know what I mean? And you're like, what, no, what do you mean, do you know what I mean? Like, you haven't really said anything. What do you mean, do you know what I mean? You're kind of starting with therefore, and it's like, what do you mean therefore? What, what, what is the therefore, therefore? Like, what are we talking about a therefore there, right at the beginning of the, of the verse? Basically, you need to know what the therefore is there for. So let's just whiz back a little bit, because Paul started with a therefore. So we're going to have to clear up what the therefore is there. He's basically saying, in the light of everything that I've just said, don't let people judge you. With everything in mind, with everything that I've just explained, with all the stuff that I've just put in my letter, because of that, do this. So the therefore is important. It's there for a reason. For example, these verses won't come up, but in um, the letter, just a little bit earlier, verse 9 says this, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Not the rituals or the festivals, but Christ alone. Verse 13, just before this, where we read, where Joy read, God made you alive with Christ. 
He forgave all your sins. Jesus came to the rescue. So that's the backdrop of the therefore. He's basically saying, because of that, let me tell you about this. So he starts with therefore. Do not let anybody judge you. What you eat or what you drink in regard to the religious festivals, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. See, these visitors that came into the community, into the earliest new church, they were influencing them and adding things, and they were throwing things into the mix. They were reminding them of these rituals and these Old Testament things, the Judaism, the things that they would follow, and they were reminding them of these things. They were throwing all this stuff into the mix. And what Paul would probably say is that this is unnecessary. It's unwanted advice. The Apostle Paul's stressing out. He's writing this letter. He's praying his heart out, saying, oh no, don't let these guys knock them off the course of focusing on Jesus. Don't let these guys move them to the left or to the right. He's praying, he's crying out, he's writing this letter, saying, have you not heard what I've said about what Jesus has done? He's died on the cross, he's forgiven your sins, he's done everything that you need, he's made you alive. Because of that, keep on following Jesus. Keep on with that track. He's encouraging them um, to fix their eyes on Jesus, whilst the other guys, the people who were the false teachers, the people that were coming into their midst and trying to persuade them, they were encouraging them to observe pagan, ritual, moon, and star festivals, basically worshiping the created rather than the creator. They're basically trying to get them to add a whole lot of stuff, unnecessary stuff, stuff to make them right with Christ, right with God, sorry. They're saying, you don't need Jesus, or they're saying that actually all this stuff's important, and we hear about Jesus, but remember this, remember that, remember the rituals, remember your past, remember the rules and regulations, and the festivals that we follow. Little side story, um, Saturday for us in the Sori household is playlists and pancakes, so every Saturday we have pancakes, and we have a Sori playlist that we put on Spotify and other platforms available, but we put on Spotify some songs, and we listen to them, and they're the same songs, and we add to them occasionally, we have pancakes and so on, it's a great thing that we all gather around on a Saturday, so that playlist and pancake, I said, you know what, it's going to be a special week this week, I'm going to have my special little coffee with my pancake, but guys, I've got you some pure orange juice. Like the kid, you're not having water this morning. Not of this water. You're having some pure orange juice. So you can have pure orange juice with your pancakes, and it's going to be absolutely great. But then the kids had realized that in the fridge there was pomegranate juice, and there was apple juice, and there was a little bit of pineapple juice. And over to the side, there was a little bit of Tropicana, tropical fruit juice. And before I knew it, the kids had been in the fridge and raided the fridge, and then pulled out all these different juices and added them to the table. And my nice little pure orange juice that was going to be perfect with my pancakes, suddenly there was a concoction of all these different arrays of things and it basically looked like some sort of cocktail bar and this thing turned into a chemistry experiment because my kids were like what about if we add a little bit of pomegranate juice what about if I had a little bit of apple juice basin okay I'm going to try and get this uh, pineapple juice and I'm just going to tip up she's tiny so that's her lifting I'm going to tip the pineapple juice into your orange juice and before you knew it there was this disgusting rank drink that was basically undrinkable it was disgusting Disgusting. All kinds of stuff were being put in and thrown in. There was probably some cloves and some garlic, all sorts of stuff was going in there. But these concoctions were just unnecessary. And it flavored, actually, what was going to be so pure and so nice. It was disgusting. See, the false teachers, they were creating a whole concoction of old traditions of Judaism, rules, regulations, familiar festivals, adding loads of stuff to Jesus, adding 
all these unnecessary things to what was supposed to be Jesus, the one and only Savior, forgiver of our sins. The Apostle Paul is wanting them to realize the importance of Jesus and the com- the, how Jesus is complete in all that he has done. You don't need to add all these things to be a proper Christian. Jesus has done everything for you. And these visitors, you know, these people that may have been uh, confusing them, they may have been persuasive in their argument. They would have been influencers. They would have influenced the people, these early new Christians. We all know what it is to uh, be experienced to influencers, don't we? Verse 23 of it, he actually says that you may have the appearance of wisdom, but they lack so much. The Apostle Paul is addressing these false teachers, these influences. He's saying that don't be persuaded to the left or to the right, but stay in the lane. Stay fixed on Jesus. Jesus has everything. Don't be influenced by them. Libby said this morning, there's so much good about social media. There's so much good about how we can change and challenge society, how we can raise up when things are wrong. There's also a whole lot of mix of stuff in there, isn't there? The, the, the power of the hashtag. Hashtag this, hashtag that, what to wear, what not to wear, where to spend, where to shop, what to look like, what's in, what's not, what's trending, what's cool, what's not, what's acceptable, what's not, where do you go, where do you shop? And we know that we can be susceptible to being influenced just by the power of influences. The Apostle Paul's worried that they're influencing them in the wrong way. They're influencing them to take their eyes off Jesus and look to the rest, to the left or the right. It would have been hashtag new moon, hashtag new festival, hashtag religious festival, hashtag something else, but not Jesus. The Apostle Paul says, no, no, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says this, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith. Paul wants them to realize that these festivals and these rituals, this self-imposed worship, they're a shadow of what is to come or what was to come, which was Jesus. They're just a shadow. They're not the thing that qualifies you. They're not the thing that gives you forgiveness, acceptance, love, and all the things that we crave. It's found in Jesus. In one of the commentaries, D. Lucas uh, says this, the shadowland of verse 17 is the realm of the Old Testament. It is not to be despised because of that, but its true value lies in the future. It's a shadow of what is to come, which was Christ. It goes on to say, in him, in Christ, is to be found all the treasures of spiritual reality and fulfillment foreshadowed in the Old Testament. To discover all that God has for his people in these last days, we must be in Christ. And that is all. See, a new direction has arrived. A new way of living has arrived. It's not rules. It's not religion. It's not reputation. It's not regulations. It's not words. But it's a person, and it's Jesus. The Apostle Paul is praying for this community that they would realize that. To pray, serve, give, as you've noticed, there's tables going around. And one of the things that we encourage people to do is to pray for the community, pray for each other, pray for the church. The Apostle Paul's praying for this community, that they would know Jesus, that they would see Jesus. And I know that people have been signing up for prayer slots this week. 
to pray for the church, pray for P's and G's, which is amazing. To pray for our workplaces, where God has placed us, to pray for our streets, to pray for where we live as well. The Apostle Paul wants these false teachers to fix their eyes on Jesus, to not influence them in the wrong way. He thinks that these influence, these influences have lost the connection with the head. Verse 19, that they have lost connection with the head from the whole body. Okay, fun fact, bit of a gross fact. But you know, a cockroach can live for a week without its head. Absolutely disgusting, isn't it? So if you chop off a cockroach's head, it can live for a full week running around with no head. That's just disgusting. It's rank. But the reason why it can do this, due to their open circulatory system and the fact that they breathe through little tiny holes in each of their body parts, they are not dependent on the mouth or the head to breathe. They reach, they all, the roach only dies because without a mouth, it cannot eat or drink water, so it dies of thirst. Absolutely disgusting, I know. The Apostle Paul is saying that these influences are basically in risk of decapitating the church, decapitating the body. Jesus is the head of the church, and he's saying you're basically cutting off the head. You're cutting off the head from a body, and it's never going to live. It's never going to live. It's never going to grow. It's never going to thrive. Jesus is the head of of the church. He doesn't want them to remove Jesus from the picture. We're going to have opportunities to to serve as well, to be the arms and the legs of of the body of Christ, of the church. As we go around the different tables, there'll be moments where we can scan the code and we can say, I'm going to be hands and feet. I'm going to be this. I'm going to play my role. I'm going to play my part. I'm going to be part of the body, and I'm going to allow... um, all that God is doing to to succeed and to happen and to flourish here in the church. So the Apostle Paul is challenging them. He's saying, look, that's an old way of living. And Jesus has come, he's arrived, he's the head, he's he's the focus, he's the centerpiece. Fix your eyes on Jesus because he has everything that you need. Nothing else is even going to come close. Don't, Don't look to the left, don't look to the right, but fix your eyes on Jesus. And he comes quite hard at them. He speaks quite straight to them. If you look at verse 20, verse 20 says this, Since you have died with Christ, the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? He's basically saying, like, why are you doing this? Like, if you know that all that Jesus has done, which I've just explained in my letter and reminded you about, by the way, if you know that, then why would you live in such a way? Why would you live in an old way of trying to do all these things to make you a proper Christian, to qualify you, to justify you, to make you feel accepted, loved, to belong? Jesus has done all of that. He's forgiven you. He's set you free. He offers you grace and mercy and forgiveness. He loves you this much. Like, why would you go back to an old way of living? Old habits can die hard, though, can't they? Sometimes there's moments where we find ourselves thinking, ah, oh, I'm back in that cycle, I'm back in that, that mindset, I'm back in that cycle or circle, I'm back in that narrative. Often the story that we live in is the story that we live out. 
So if we, if we place ourselves in a story that, that, that says, I'm not good enough and, and I need to do this and do that to be seen and known and loved by God, we can get caught up in this cycle. Apostle Paul saying, forget that. Jesus has done everything for you. He's done it all for you. Live out of a place of love, a place of acceptance, a place that you're not trying to work your way up to be loved, but that Jesus has come down, has embraced you, and is loved upon you. Well, how does that play out for us in our day to day? Maybe for some of us, we're relying on other things, human standards, maybe relying on conditions. Maybe we're looking at a measuring stick or a measuring yard that we measure ourselves up to that just isn't right, isn't working, that we're never going to hit the mark. We all fall short of the glory of God, but Jesus comes to us and offers us grace and forgiveness. I knew um, of a guy, a guy called Jeff in London, and he got caught up in this mindset, in this way of living. He basically lost a number of jobs and a series of jobs, and he was really down on himself, and he found himself in a job that he didn't want to do, and he thought that he would never do. But he got into this mindset of saying, oh, God, you've abandoned me. Like, I, I'm just not good enough. I'm not doing good things. I, I've got this thing that my, maybe my parents had thought I was going to be doing, but I'm not doing that. And I'm not good enough, and, and actually, I maybe need to just work harder. I maybe just need to add on a few things to be seen by you, to be known by you. And he actually felt like he was basically operating like an orphan. And he came to this realization that actually Jesus loves him how he is, where he is, in the highs, in the lows, in the, in the, the shadows, in the darkness, in the ups, in the downs. I love you as you are. I love you and I've come to rescue you. I love you as you are and I've come to save you. And it was amazing watching Jeff. Um, he's a Canadian guy that I knew in London. He's now in L.A., but go on this journey of discovering and rediscovering Jesus. That he's not an orphan, he's a son. That Jesus came to rescue. He's not an orphan, he's the one that God gave himself. Jesus, I'm not an orphan, I'm a son. That you came to rescue I'm not an orphan, I'm the one that you gave yourself to. And this is the story throughout the world. People realizing their need for Jesus, that all the things that we try to build in and add on into our life just ain't gonna cut it. That we need a savior, that we need Jesus, that Jesus is the one who comes and forgives and sets us free, who makes us alive. Stories from London, America, New Zealand, Australia, Wherever, Jesus coming to people where they are and then realizing that actually Jesus is the one. He's the, he's the one that we fix our eyes on. This week, I was speaking to a friend of mine, a guy called Mark, um, who's on the, the Saturday meal core team. And he was telling a story that he shared before in P's and G's. But because of a, a teacher that wasn't a great teacher and actually publicly shamed him, humiliated him because of, of being dyslexic, carried around a whole thought in his head, a whole narrative in his life. And speaking to him, he said he would have to build in and add on things into his life to, to think, actually, no, 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 I'm this, I'm that, I'm okay, and if I do this and if I do that, I'll be fine, I'll be accepted, and so on. But actually, by doing a course at P's and G's, by doing a course that speaks about the freedom in Christ, he said that Jesus broke through and lifted shame. Absolute game changer absolute game changer. See, it's only Jesus. It's Jesus that we need. I said this a few weeks ago, but if the Apostle Paul was saying 
And summarizing that, he would say, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus.